Hey, thanks for listening to the Daily Walk podcast. Just want to remind you that if you have any questions, any thoughts, any comments, or any prayer requests, you can go online to the Boulder Church website, which is at boulder.church. Send them along. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, look after each other and live love. Good morning. It's May 20. Welcome to Daily Walk. I'm Becky de Oliveira. And I'm Japheth de Oliveira. And let me pray straight away uh, so we can get into this passage. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for the book of Amos and for this new series we're in. Uh, bless us and give us wisdom we ask us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Amos chapters 1 and 2, New Living Translation, the NLT. This message was given to Amos, a shepherd from the town of Tekoa in Judah. He received this message in visions two years before the earthquake, when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. This is what he saw and heard. The Lord's voice will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The lush pastures of the shepherds will dry up. The grass on Mount Carmel will wither and die. Subheading, God's judgment on Israel's neighbors. This is what the Lord says. The people of Damascus have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They beat down my people in Gilead as grain is threshed with iron sledges. So I will send down fire on King Hazael's palace, and the fortresses of King Ben-Hadad will be destroyed. I will break down the gates of Damascus and slaughter the people in the valley of Avon. I will destroy the ruler in Beth-Eden, and the people of Aram will go as captives to Kir, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. The people of Gaza have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They sent whole villages into exile, selling them as slaves to Edom. So I will send down fire to the, on the walls of Gaza, and all its fortresses will be destroyed. I will slaughter the people of Ashdod and destroy the king of Ashkelon. Then I will turn to attack Ekron, and the few Philistines still left will be killed, says the Sovereign Lord. This is what the Lord says. The people of Tyre have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They broke their treaty of brotherhood with Israel, selling whole villages as slaves to Edom. So I will send down fire on the walls of Tyre, and all its fortresses will be destroyed. This is what the Lord says. The people of Edom have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They chased down their relatives, the Israelites, with swords, showing them no mercy. In their rage, they slashed them continually and were unrelenting in their anger. So I will send down fire on Teman, and the fortresses of Bozrah will be destroyed. This is what the Lord says. The people of Ammon have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. When they attacked Gilead to extend their borders, they ripped open pregnant women with their swords. So I will send down fire on the walls of Rabbah, and all its fortresses will be destroyed." The battle will come upon them with shouts like a whirlwind in a mighty storm, and their king and his princes will go into exile together, says the Lord. Chapter 2. This is what the Lord says. The people of Moab have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They desecrated the bones of Edom's king, burning them to ashes. So I will send down fire on the land of Moab, and all the fortresses in Kerioth will be destroyed. The people will fall in the noise of battle, as the warriors shout and the ram's horn sounds, and I will destroy their king and slaughter all their princes, says the Lord. Subheading, God's judgment on Judah and Israel. This is what the Lord says. 
The people of Judah have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They have rejected the instruction of the Lord, refusing to obey his decrees. They have been led astray by the same lies that deceived their ancestors. So I will send down fire on Judah, and all the fortresses of Jerusalem will be destroyed. This is what the Lord says. The people of Israel have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They sell honorable people for silver and poor people for a pair of sandals. They trample helpless people in the dust and shove the oppressed out of the way. Both father and son sleep with the same woman, corrupting my holy name. At their religious festivals, they lounge in clothing their debtors put up as security in the house of their gods. They drink wine bought with unjust fines. But as my people watched, I destroyed the Amorites, though they were as tall as cedars and as strong as oaks. I destroyed the fruit on their branches and dug out their roots. It was I who rescued you from Egypt and led you through the desert for forty years so you could possess the land of the Amorites. I chose some of your sons to be prophets and others to be Nazarites. Can you deny this, my people of Israel? asks the Lord. But you caused the Nazarites to sin by making them drink wine, and you commanded the prophets, Shut up! So I will make you groan like a wagon loaded down with sheaves of grain. Your fastest runners will not get away. The strongest among you will become weak. Even mighty warriors will be unable to save themselves. The archers will not stand their ground. The swiftest runners won't be fast enough to escape. Even those riding horses won't be able to save themselves. On that day, the most courageous of your fighting men will drop their weapons and run for their lives, says the Lord. So that version actually is pretty good because I think it actually kind of translates well, the New Living Translation translates well, uh, what's really going on maybe even better in the passage than the English Standard Version. Yes, um, I thought it was easier to comprehend. Yeah, when, when he talks about all that God is seeing and what Amos is trying to say, which is first of all, he starts off with these six judgments in pairs of two. So um, if you just keep that in the back of your mind as you read the passage, it's probably easier if you just mark mark this down when you're reading it. But uh, when he says, thus saith, that says the Lord, he's got two sets there. They're in, in uh, one, two, one, two, one, two. And each of these sets are about a different issue uh, amongst the enemy, right? And then he tells Amos basically, now turn your eyes because the people are like all smug. Well, yeah, look at the enemy. They're evil, right? And then he says, now turn your eyes on Judah. And Israel, where Amos is from, he's from the northern kingdom. They're like, yeah, of course, southern kingdom, those people, they're so smug. And then he spends the last section just talking about himself. He says, but we, we have been horrible as well. And we have just like, you know, ravished people. We've damaged them. We've like, we've broken up word and promises and we've pillaged people. And this is just like, it's God saying, this is just impossible. You guys are out of control. And what we should note so this is only, uh, what, 170 years after King Solomon. So it's, uh, it's not that far away from the grandeur. But let's try the question. Why do uh, prosperity and success tend to draw us away from the worship of God and concern for the needs of others? And how can we resist these temptations? Well, I think that when people are doing well yeah. and have what they want, they just don't feel the need for anything For anything else. else so... Yeah, and yet, and yet I have met many people answer. who actually do have prosperity and, and wealth and, and have done well, and they actually do really care as well. So there is maybe this. Yeah, I don't this, think it always. It's not always, but it I, under, I do what understand. what your focus is. I, yeah, which actually I think we kind of talked about last week a little bit, about, a little bit in part about that. But I, I think 
about moving your focus and re reimagining some of that stuff inside there. But there is a tendency to draw you away from worship of God and and the concern for others as well. And there's a level of judgment and a separation as well. Well, I mean, one thing I've often said about um, Boulder, where we used to live and where the church is, is that kind of the it almost feels like the dominant psychological characteristic of of people in Boulder is the idea that other people don't really exist. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of everybody's in their own little bubble mm-hmm. in their own world mm-hmm. where their needs are paramount, whatever mm-hmm. those are. And I don't think that it's that they're bad people, no, I, but I think it's very easy yeah. to get locked into a really self-centered kind of life that's fueled by money and prestige and accomplishments and Things I, like that. And I think a lot of wealthy yeah. communities are a bit like that. I think some villages are like that as well. Because you don't need anybody yeah. when you have everything, and therefore you also don't need to be nice. You're you self-contained. You don't need people for anything, so it doesn't matter what they think about you. Yeah. You don't have to be polite or anything else. It's like the you joke that, that I would hear, you know, amongst Londoners in the South in England uh, who would talk about Northerners and just say, well, we don't. We don't connect with the northerners or we don't know anything north of the N25 and we stay, you know, in the south. And so there is this edge all the time that exists, um, stereotypes or, or beliefs that we just stay local to our village. We stay local to our communities, especially if you feel that you've got everything within walking distance and contained within that. Yeah. That can happen all, very but easily. But I mean, it's just, it's kind of a sad way to it's not, approach to think that everything you could possibly want is in some yeah. Town. I think that's why traveling or moving around or actually changing your circles. And I think church is a really great space to actually intermingle that, mm. you know, to bring across uh, a cross population together and to create that space. Well, and I think having a reminder to yourself all the time, no matter who you are, or how much money you have or how successful you are, that human. you are dying day by day, that it's not going to last. Yeah. That whatever you think you have is not going to last. Yeah, and I think so love I mean well. it's depressing, obviously. But I also think you know it's not; it's reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to think at the end of your life, what do you, what kind of a person do you want to have been? I think that that matters. It does quite a bit more than accumulating stuff or a big house or no, it does. a title or whatever it is that you're aiming for. Yeah. Well, let me repeat the question one more time. Why do you, prosperity and success tend to draw us away from the worship of God and concern for the needs of others? And how can we resist these temptations? Think about that and look after each other and uh, live love. And we will connect tomorrow. Thanks for your support for the Daily Walk podcast. Wherever you are in the world, we just want to let you know that we're praying for you and we're glad that you're praying for us too. If you can help us out by giving online, then please go to boulder.church forward slash give and help this ministry actually make an effect on others as well. Keep us in your prayers, look after each other, and live love.